God has a plan and a purpose, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. Uh, we are in a moment of waiting, a moment of holding. Everybody say waiting, right? And this is a moment I've preached on this throughout January into February about waiting, and then last week even talking about Goshen. Goshen is a symbolism of really our life on earth that after we have found Christ, before we go to heaven, then we live in the land of Goshen. That's the symbolism. It's a place of protection. It's a place of peace. It's a place of his provision. We're in Egypt, but not of Egypt. We're in the world, but not of the world. It's not the promised land, but it's, it's a glimpse of it, glimpse of God's goodness and his grace and, and the separation. Uh, but we're looking ahead to the promise. Amen. But this is a place of Goshen. It's a place of waiting. We're in a season now. We just need to trust God. We need to let him do what he's doing in the world and let him do what he's doing in us. Amen. And so I just want to speak to you today. I had some verses that I believe that the Lord put on my heart, and I want to just uh, challenge us and encourage us and see what the Lord has to say. But I want you to look in your Bible to the book of James. I want you to look in James chapter 1. I just want to start with this. James 1, verse 2. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I want you to say that out loud with me. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come our way, we consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, we don't think like that in our humanity, do we? When troubles come and trials come, right, when hard times come, what do we do? We consider that an opportunity to complain. We consider that an opportunity, right, to point our finger at God even. We consider it an opportunity to sulk. We put on this, I was thinking, you know, I'm getting ahead of my sermon here, but I'm going to go right into it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That some people, they like the sad song. And there's an entire genre, right, of sad songs, sad movies. You know, I'm just going to get in the car, I'm going to go for a drive, and I'm just going to, you know, be alone. And, and really, they don't want to go feel better. They actually get a high out of feeling bad. You may not, they may not admit, I say you like you're in this room. They, right, because nobody in this room's like that. But they won't admit it, but they actually get a rush. They look forward subconsciously without you even knowing. They look forward to the hard times so they can actually get that rush of feeling sorry again, feeling bad. And it's from the devil. Everybody say it's from the devil. God, and this is hard. I don't even like preaching these things because I'm like, okay, Lord, you're encouraging us for a reason. I mean, I want to preach it because it's his word, but it takes great faith. This is real faith. This is the real deal Christianity. This is real deal believing. When we say, okay, Lord, we're going to have joy in any circumstance. Any trial, anything that comes, we choose to have joy. That's true Christianity. It's actually very hard to find. It's hard to see, but that's real deal Christianity. And um, Paul, as I've mentioned many, many times, you know the verses so well. He's there. He's in the prison. 
They had just freshly beat him again for being a believer, and it's midnight, and he just felt like it was a great time to praise God, worship God. We don't even want to praise and worship God just because it's midnight. We're tired. <laughs> We've had a long day in our comforts, in our American comforts. We've had a long day. We just want to be in bed. You know, if you're still awake, you just want to watch some TV. Not, we don't even want to read the word or pray, right? Because it's late. And let alone be beaten and be worshiping God. And there's a level. There's a place of Christianity. There's a place that God wants his people to live in. He doesn't want us to be in trouble. God doesn't want us to go through the trial, right? You as a parent don't want to see your child go through hard things. But I'm going to show you today, and I believe many of the mature believers in here already know, that when you go through the hard things, as a teacher, when we test, that's going to be a key word. Everybody say test. That'll be a key word today to listen to. Test. When a teacher tests the student, he's not trying to find out how dumb they are. The teacher's trying to find the weakness so that we know how to improve. Amen. God's bringing us, and if you haven't experienced it this year already, into a time of great joy. Let's choose to look at it that way. God's bringing us into great joy. And the way that God does it, apparently, <laughs> is through troubles and trials. We want it God's way, don't we? Who wants it our way, right? Frank Sinatra, I'll have it my way. I want it my way. It's not God's way, my way. I want it God's way. I want it his way. I want to do it his way. I want to trust his word. I'm not going to go and read the verses, but I'll just tell you quickly because I want to move into something else. But something that really struck me when I went back, because we had looked at it in December, and then I wanted to go into Goshen last week and talk about Goshen, but something that really struck me about this moment in Egypt with the trials and the plagues that were hitting Egypt, it was, there was actually an opportunity for the Egyptians to avoid one of the plagues. And it says that when he said the hail's going to come, it says it came and it killed Whoever basically, I'm paraphrasing the wording, but whoever ignored God's word. It says that those paid, they paid no, the exact words are in the NLT, they paid no regard. Which means that God had spoken an opportunity. It's not automatic. You don't have to suffer. You can do it my way, right? You can do it my way, or you can do it your way. Your way, broad and wide, is the road that leads to destruction, right? Narrow is the way that leads to life. Narrow and hard is the way that leads to life. Our way is always going to bring death. God's way brings life. God's way is hard, though. God's way is narrow. It's not because that was God's design, though. Let's not point our fingers. Jesus didn't complain to God and say, God... You really messed up for me to have to do this. Jesus understood that we were worth the cost, that we were worth the price. We need to realize that was, this was not God's design. This is fallen, that we are in an imperfect kingdom. Jesus already did it 
supernaturally, and we just have to join with the sacrifice, join with him on that cross, and walk it out. We have to realize that God is fixing a mess that was made by humanity. We decided we know better. Satan offered an alternative to God's best, and humanity, you know, we were just joking, Adam and Eve, come on, man, you really messed things up this week. I was joking with someone, right? But the thing is, they really didn't, and here's why. Don't get mad at me. If they didn't do it, you would have by now. I would have by now. It was only a matter of time. If it wasn't Adam and Eve, it would be us that would have said, God, your way looks good, but this way also looks good. What's the difference? And the thing is that the Lord really... Uh, is very, very strict. And we have this amazing thing called grace that covers us, and it gives us the presumption. The Bible says, do not have presumptuous sin. We can make assumptions and presumptions, right? People don't tithe, and they're like, well, I still have a retirement account, so obviously God doesn't care. I'm, that's just one example off the top of my head. I didn't write that down. Don't get offended. God is actually very, very strict. We, we're reading, we just read through, you know, we're reading through the Bible again, and we're, we just made it into Leviticus, which you don't need to re read Re Leviticus every day of your Christianity, but it's a good idea to read through it at least once a year. It's in his word. But God has a way and a standard, and it could seem like he's legalistic. It could seem like when he was designing his, his pre-temple tabernacle, right, with the tent and the poles, and we just, and he's telling Moses, you know, I want it this length, and I want this type of thread, and I want you to pound gold into thread, and I want you to weave it into their clothing. I mean, God has a very specific way, and it's his way, and it's ultimately, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. It's for his glory, but also he has our best in mind. You must know that and understand that. God has his people's best in mind, and God is working a plan of redemption. It began, really, it began in the garden because God covered them. God protected them. God gave Adam and Eve skin, gave them some protection. I mean, you could really get into the details of that because he put animal skin on them, which is really, you know, the animal has instinct, right? The animals, they, you know, they go beyond. We're just hearing this. They're talking about trying to merge. They've already done it. But they're talking about merging human and animal DNA where it will be accepted. But it's already been done. I mean, this is old news. But so that you could be able to see in the darkness and just like a dog can sense danger. You know, we don't know how they do it, but they just sense it, right? So the picture is that God put some protections on them. They didn't need instinct like that because they were in perfection. There was nothing to fear, right? The lion and the lamb, they laid together. And so God made a way right from the garden, and uh, basically our heel bruises Satan's head. His head strikes our heel. There's a war, but also God's protected us and kept us safe all the way up to Jesus' blood. And then Jesus said, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to keep stay with you until we finally wrap this whole thing up. And we've already been talking about this, the timeline, we need to give it to God, right? We're giving timing to God. 
We give the whole timeline to God, including our little time of this timeline to God. Amen. Because he knows what he's doing, and he lives outside the circle of the earth. The earth is his footstool, and he lives outside of time. So we're living in it, we're waiting, but God's already done it supernaturally. Amen. Am I saying too many things at once? Are we getting this? Holy Spirit just got a lot of, I'm bringing a lot of what we've been talking about for the last month and a half together. And so the, the place that God wants to bring us into is a place of faith. But we say faith, faith means, faith has become so many things. So faith means, I believe this thing is going to happen. And that's really not what faith is. That's an element of faith. When we say, I believe for this thing or this person or whatever, the situation. That's an element. That's an outworking of faith. But that's not really what faith is. Faith at simplicity is complete and total trust in God. It's out of that complete and total trust in God that then I can say to a certain situation a prayer and believe it because I know where these words are coming from and I know where the power to say these words are coming from and I've seen God do it before, etc., the whole thing. So then we have outworkings of faith, but that's not faith. Faith is our belief in the Lord. It's our complete and total reliance on God. Comma. But if you read your word and you know your word, there's a way that God gets his people into faith, isn't it? If you have skills and abilities and things in your life that are going to help you get through life, what God does is he doesn't necessarily take them completely from you, but he will show you that you really don't have any strength outside of him, and for the really stubborn like myself, right, <laughs> like Joseph's, David's, Moses's, Abraham's, right, like us all believers, God lets them go through things and periods of time to learn that they are nothing and worthless without God and without his power, and he allows it so that when they come back into the place that God had destined for them to walk into, their pride doesn't sneak in and steal their life. Pride is such a sneaky, 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 sneaky sin. It is so subtle. It just sits and hides. It's a, it's, you know, I, I want to call it a serpent, and that's what it is. He is the serpent. We don't know exactly how Satan fell. We don't know exactly what he looks like and where he came from. We just know that he, somewhere, some shape, some form, he was with God, and God made him beautiful. And in some way, shape, or form, he rose up in pride and thought, I'm just as good as you, God. We're the same. And that pride, the Bible says, Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. Lightning's traveling at, what's it, seven times the times around the earth in a second. That's how fast God dealt with pride. Seven times around the earth in a second. That's how fast he was struck down. God cannot tolerate pride. God the Bible says, and I'm just, I'm just preaching. I'm preaching verses, by the way. I just want to keep going. 
even though I'm not referencing them here, because it says in Peter and it says in James, and I'm going to get to them, but I'm just going to keep bringing them. They both say the same thing, that God resists the proud. God receives the humble. It's the humble heart. The humble. They're going to see God. We can look at all the different verses. They see God. There's an entrance into God's heart. And you look at every character through his word, those that were humble or learned to be humble or were made to be humble. Everybody's saying made to be humble. You don't want that one, but that's God is, he loves us so much that he will humble you so that you'll be humble because he loves us. Because there's a place in God that not only does he want us to get to and we get to enjoy these blessings and, and protections from him there, but also there's a security from the enemy there. The enemy from day one is going to try to find an entrance into your life. And many of you here <laughs> could tell your story and you could say all the entrances is that he found into your heart and you wish he never found, right? Amen. We thank you, God, for his grace and his mercy and his blood and he washes it away and remembers it no more. But the enemy is looking and will continue to look until the day you die. I, you know, someone said to me the other day, I'd rather you just be real. I just want real Christianity. Stop sugarcoating it. Just tell me how it is. And this is the truth. The enemy will not stop until the day you die. Just as relentless as Jesus is to pray for you in heaven. That's what the Bible says. That right now, present tense, Jesus is pleading for us to the Father. And the Holy Spirit is working. He is moving and shaping and touching my heart and tugging and pulling and doing things constantly to keep me on the straight and narrow. Either to get me there, or once I've decided, right, like we have in this room, to keep me there. And the enemy is doing everything he can, working around the clock, to get me to stumble and fall. The only way that you will make it to the finish line, to the end, and to cross into eternity, and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, is through faith, but faith can only be had in complete and utter humility. The Lord says in his word, this is what it says. All right. It wasn't just an intro. That's the, that's the sermon. I'm going to bring some verses now. Bring this together. We're going through troubles. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? Verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, everybody say faith is tested. It says when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, verse 4, for when your endurance is fully developed, then you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. There's so much in this verse. There's so much packed in his word, isn't there? So much. So just quickly, just some things off the surface before we get into the depth of this. He tells us that the trial, the trouble, have joy because I'm testing your faith. 
And then he says, let me do it because if I can let if I can get you to a place that I want to get you to, if you will let me do it, you will finally arrive at a place of completion, needing nothing. We can look at other verses, right? The full stature of Christ. Everybody say the full stature of Christ. Right? Jesus, even Jesus, the Son of God, learned submission. For 30 years, even Jesus, the Son of God, did not start his ministry for 30 years. Yes, there was a timing. Of course, God has a timing in a way. We can definitely state that first. But the Bible says at 12 years old, he was sitting with the, with the elders, with the scholars, with the wise of the day, sitting with them and talking about the Lord, talking about the things of God. It was a trying it was a testing, and finally, even Jesus, the Son of God, before he was released into ministry. You guys realize that Jesus was released by God to go into ministry? Before he could do it, the Bible says that the devil took him out to the wilderness. The Holy Spirit took him out there. And that's the story. That's what I'm trying to say. Holy Spirit took him out there, and the devil came, and he tested him there, tested Jesus tried Jesus, tempted Jesus. Jesus passed the test, thank you, passed all the temptations because he had learned who he was, right? I'm Jesus. This is my purpose. I'm not going to try to build my, I know it's hard for our minds to get, but if it says he was tempted, then it was a temptation. I believe, I'm a literalist. I believe the word is literal. When it's a metaphor, he tells us it's a metaphor. It's not a metaphor. It says he was tempted, which means that Something in Jesus knew that he would be sitting on a throne one day. Something in him knew that he would, he would finally receive the kingdom of God. The devil had tempted him and said, you can rule over this whole world, just bow down to me. Just like he offers us, just like he offers people in this world, and they do it all the time. People bow their knee to him all the time, and he gives them this world so freely. David talks about it in the Psalms. God, why are they so blessed? It seems like they can, the more wrong they do, the more blessed they get. And what he was peering into was this exact thing, what Satan was offering to Jesus. And so Jesus passes it, and he's telling us here in James to do the same thing, because what happened? It says that he came out of that wilderness, and his ministry began for three years. Jesus changed the whole world. We are here today because of that. Amazing, isn't it? Now, yes, he's Jesus, but the Bible says, not I who lives, but Christ in me, which means I'm not trying to elevate yourself and do the opposite of what this sermon's about, give you, puff you up with pride, but you are Christ in the earth right now, him through you, which means we must let him out in the fullness and in the completion that God is desiring. And the more time it takes, the more trying, the more testing, the more troubles that we don't get it in. I'm not saying that you won't face it. You'll face it to the end. But I'm saying the more that we buck against it, and what do I mean by that? I don't mean that you say, I don't want to go through this. That's not it. It's the right hearts and it's the right attitudes when they inevitably come. I started as a, a very young businessman, went to work for myself at 19, started my own business, 
And right off the bat, I learned something that very first year, and I used to say it all the time. It's not if problems will occur, how do you handle it? It's when they happen, how are we going to handle it? And I know that you've heard it. I just said it yesterday. Where there's a will, there's a way. And I started to learn that somehow, some way, you got to make a choice that we're going to figure this thing out. You need to understand something. The enemy is so relentless that if you complete in one area and you're perfect now, man, that God can, God just, he knows he can trust you in this area. The devil just cannot touch you. You just got no entrance. And the alcohol in your life, you just, it's not, the devil's not even going to waste his time trying to tempt you with alcohol because you're just secure there. He's just going to look for another entrance. You need to understand that today so that your Christianity is not shaken. In fact, so that your faith gets stronger, so that it's real faith. Real faith is not just seeing God do, um, do miracles and do things, but real faith is when trials, troubles, things you don't understand and don't expect when they come against you, that you rely on the Lord fully and have him develop in you the right hearts and attitudes to get you through it, coming out like we're going to read today, purified gold. And it says here, so it says, I'm going to let this process happen so that I become complete. I want to look at a similar verse, and then I just want to talk here for another minute in this point of the sermon. First Peter chapter 1 says something else very similar to James. It says, all praise to God, First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy. Everybody say it's by his mercy. It's by his mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. Everybody say with great expectation. Right? That's Goshen looking towards the promised land. Amen. That's in this earth. Uh, Paul calls it a, a New Testament picture is that we're in this tent. I want to shed this tent for my new heavenly body. I want to get rid of this body, take on my heavenly body, right? Same picture here. So there's great expectation, and we have a priceless, everybody say priceless inheritance. Come on, say it like you believe it. I know it's hard through those masks sometimes. But there's an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. I'm excited about that. Someone was just saying to me, I can't wait. And I know, but I'm going to... Just wait. We're also getting into verse 5. I can't wait too, but we're still here. Everybody say, but we're still here. But I love that Peter's like, let me encourage you first. I'm going to talk to you about some things, but I want to encourage you first. We have so much hope. We have so much to look forward to. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he loved us so much that his only son wasn't spared. Be reminded of what an amazing love and grace and mercy that God has had towards his people. He says, not only that, your inheritance is kept in heaven. It's pure and it's undefiled. It's beyond the reach of change and decay. That's our security. That's your security in Christ. And verse 5, and through your faith, everybody say through your faith. So it's by faith. It really comes down to faith. It really is as simple as belief and you will be saved. The hardest part is us actually believing and it's not, I believe, I believe, I believe. 
That's not it. But just believing God is trusting God in the process and listening to his word and doing what he says. That's really believing. Amen. That's, we'll get more into that, whether today or another day. So he says, and verse 5, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power. So we know that God's protecting us. That's when we are faithless, he's faithful. Until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So he says the same thing as James did. Everybody say this out loud. So I'm truly glad. Because he said there is wonderful joy ahead. Let's just pause right there and just everybody go home, right? And then something happens in your life and you're like, that preacher lied to me. I'm not happy right now. Well, that's because you're basing your happiness on the earth and in emotions and in flesh and in temporal. Oh, I'm getting angry because the devil's such a liar. He's such a liar. Get this, get us focused on this earth. What a liar. That's what he did to Eve. You realize they had the tree of life, and he got her to focus on the tree of good and, good and evil. Got her focus off of the tree of life. I mean, if that's not an analogy for the entire Christian walk, where we can literally, the Bible says that you know, you, you don't, wow, wow. We don't wait to heaven to eat of the tree of life. You will eat of it with your new body physically, but in your spirit, present tense, do you realize that you are eating by Jesus Christ? One of the promises he fulfilled is that you are present tense eating of the tree of life right now. You may not know it because you're sitting here in these chairs. You're looking at your clothes fashioned by man and you're like, I don't know. But in your spirit, you are eating of the tree of life through Jesus Christ right now. One of the promises. Man, if we look at the picture of what of, of what God does and his plan and what the devil's plan is and what he does. Wow, that's so easy. All he's going to try to do is get our eyes off of Christ, off of his promise, which includes, if we're going to really look at Christ, a cross and some hard things and some persecution and some hatred and some stuff we don't want to go through and losing family and losing money and losing houses and losing cars and losing stuff and and then you being mocked some more, and then being beaten, and then being stripped naked, and then being whipped, and then put a crown of thorns on your head, and put on the cross, and then mocked again. Satan's going to try to get your eyes off of that Jesus. That's, you know, we can't just make up Jesus. You can't just make up a Jesus we want. That's Jesus. Get your eyes off of that Jesus. And... I, how ironic that the very things that Jesus promised would happen and they happen to him and promised it will happen to us, and then they happen to us, and then we say, God, you've abandoned me. And devil's got our eyes on this natural world, which you don't realize what's happening is God's doing per a perfection job. God's doing a purification. God's protecting you, in fact, for your life 15 years, 25 years, 30 years ahead of you, the devil incrementally because he's got all the time in the world he just gets you to have just a little tiny bit of pride just did a good job at that that's it i just i did good there and so before you know it you're so filled with pride it's oozing out of every part of your being 30 years though it took to get you there 
You may never even say it. You may actually act humble on the outside, but internally, man, you just, you know it. You got it all figured out. I mean, that's just, I'm not making that example specifically for anything or anybody. I'm just saying that that's what the devil does. He works and he takes the time. And what has he done? He's gotten your eyes off of Christ and got your eyes on this world, got your, uh, got your eyes on you. She said to him, you're right. I'm going to paraphrase, so give me some license here. That fruit does look good. I wouldn't mind to have a bite. I know what God said, but you're right. What about me? Wait a second. I do have a right to defend myself. Wait a second. What about me? You're right. God, wait a second. God does care only about himself. That's basically what this conversation was. God doesn't want you to be like him. He's trying to be better than you. That's the reasoning. You're right. Wait a second. No one has the right to be better than me. God forbid I would be lower than somebody else. And Jesus comes on the scene. And he's like, I want you to lay your life down. When they slap you, I want you to turn the other cheek. I want you to go the extra mile. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What is going on? Uh, exactly what I've been trying to get you to since the very beginning, which is that I'm God and you're man and that I'm in control and you're not. And if you do what I tell you, even though that doesn't make sense, that's not really what it's about. Submitting is not about submitting. The teacher, again, is not trying to test. Man, I, I had so many things to say. I'm going to try to get these words in. Submitting is not about submitting. It's about learning that I'm not in control and that it's not about me. You know, the military, they break you. And when they break you, they don't, you know, they act like they get joy, but I've heard stories behind the scenes that those men, they don't, they don't enjoy that part, but it's a necessary evil, let's call it, to break someone. They're not breaking you to watch you suffer. It's so that you get to the place where you realize, wow, yes, sir, I'm not in control. You are. And my body even tells me I, I have to quit. But you told me to go on, and now I'm going to override even my body, right? They even teach your body. It can go like, Dawn has, we've talked about this before, what, 10%, 20%? What is the math? There's an actual scientific thing that they've figured it out where you actually mentally give up at like 20%. You still have 80% more to give. Your body can give like 80% more, but your mind checks out. And what they teach you, so really it's a benefit for you, but it came through the cost of suffering of them telling you you're going to do it because I told you not because you have the strength or because you feel like it or because it's good for you or there's a benefit or any of those things just because I said so meanwhile what is it it's really to create a better you be all you can be you end up becoming a better soldier the Lord is actually after us so uh, strongly because the devil's after us so strongly and every single area that we don't fully give to God and, and, and hold back that 80% and only give God 20, the devil slips into, there is not a crack in you that he's not trying to fill. There's only two gods and there's no gray. Even a little bit of doubt towards God in an area, but mostly faith has Satan in there. There's not really you. You, you there was a movie that said you is kind of fluid right now. <laughs> movie Hitch. You is not really like, you just need to think of that as fluid. You don't know who you are right this minute. We're working on you. 
I'm being, my DNA is even being changed. The Lord is changing the way I think, the way I observe, the way I love. I mean, that's my nature. My nature is being changed by Christ, by living in him. And in any area that I hold back because I feel like I don't want to, I don't have to, or whatever, or it just feels good, like I said, feels good to be sorry for myself in this area, or whatever it is, you know, you may not think so, but you are literally getting on your knees and raising your hands and worshiping Satan. I know that sounds so extreme. You're like, wow, that's crazy. But Jesus, they're like, our father's Abraham. Who are you? And he's like, no, your father's the devil. Let's just call it like it is. Who are you, Jesus? To serve anything, anybody, hold back anything from Christ in any capacity is to serve Satan. Don't be deceived that we were not born into sin. And our father was Satan when we were born. That was not God's plan. That's not God's desires. Don't get mad at him. You want to get mad? Get mad at human nature. <laughs> you can't even get mad at Adam and Eve. Because again, if it wasn't Adam and Eve, it would have been someone else. It would have been me by now. Just put it on me. Satan is trying to have you... And God is trying to have you, and there's a war fighting for you. But this is what the Bible says. He goes on in Peter, and he's like, man, just I want you to have joy. All this is prepared for you. Don't forget. Set your eyes on me. He says, verse 6, so truly be glad, because this verse does not end. There's wonderful joy ahead. Everybody say, comma. Everybody hates commas in the Bible, right? We hate buts, and we hate commas in the Bible. We hate the ends. Because, okay, wait a second, he's going to say some more things, and a lot of times it's not what we want to hear. He says, there's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. There's been many sermons that joke just for a little while. It's just a little while. It doesn't feel like a little while while you're in it. I've been talking about that this month, talking about it in January. I know how the child sitting in the corner, right, for three minutes thinks that it's an eternity. It's just a little while, but God's got a purpose in it. What are you trying to teach that child? You're teaching that child, listen, if you can't learn to submit to me who loves you and gives you everything you need, and one day when someone who does not nice to you and you hit them just a little too hard and you kill them in a bar fight because you were in a place you shouldn't have been and now you're in jail for murder because you never got control of your anger, wow. Don't tell me that doesn't happen every single day. Right? How many murderers could tell you, I don't even know how it happened? I mean, sure, there's lots of premeditated too, but you know, most of it, I don't know what the, I've heard the statistics, 70, 90%, I'm going to make it up. It's a high number. It's not premeditated. It was built up in anger, jealousies, envies, built up inside. Come on, guys. The Lord really is so, so, so good to us and kind to us. And you might, I don't know if you're in a situation now or you're going to be in a situation or you've been in one and so you understand. But when we face things and we just face even little stuff, you know, just little things throughout the day, things the Lord's asked you to do, be kind to this person. I want you to do this. I want you to stop doing what you're doing. I want you to go do this, etc. When we 
submit and more humble, you may not think there's any point to it, but God is doing something. He's purifying you and he's making you into Christ. And every single time, as little as it seems to not submit, you are letting the devil rule. You're basically saying, and this is what's happening. I can go into it. We don't have time, but in the book of Job, we talk about the courts of heaven and Satan, the Bible says, came too. Satan is there, and they're arguing about Job. God's like, look at my servant Job. Satan's like, yeah, it's only because you bless him so much. Let me hurt him, and then he'll curse you. That's the, you know, the devil's looking for an entrance, and when he sees the blood of Jesus, he can't touch you. But then when he sees you, say you have the blood of Jesus and say you have faith, but then you outright sin. He's paying attention. And he goes back to God, and he's like, but this person right here, now, Many times the devil doesn't touch you immediately because of grace, and I don't understand where grace begins and grace ends. Some people get away with things for longer than others. I wouldn't mess with that. I don't know what that is. That's God's grace in there, but there's a point. Sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's long, where the Satan has entrance into even a believer's life because they've given it to him, because they've refused. The Lord might say, I want you to forgive, and you're like, I have forgiven. But you know deep inside you haven't fully, fully forgiven. You've done the forgiving things, like the natural things, the surface things, but really in the depth, you really haven't. And devil's just like, man, he's just a puppet master with that. I'm just going to play with you your whole, your whole life. You don't even know it. God's like, just give it to me. If you just give it to me, you're going to be free. You don't even know that yet. Amen. Wow, the Holy Spirit's saying a lot of things today. Maybe it's to someone on the podcast, no one here. But it says, these trials, verse 7, will show. I want you to hear this. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Wow. I just want to hit the pause button here. I want you to pause right there. Everybody say, my faith is genuine. Okay, well. The Bible says we don't have time, but just you can go and read in your own time. I want you to go and read the book of James chapter 2. And he goes on in verse 14 all the way through 26 talking about this. He says, just read verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? And then he goes down in this paragraph, and he says, even the demons believe, verse 19, even the demons believe, and they tremble in terror. It says, you say you have faith, for you believe there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. There is a place that God is trying to get us to, and he allows the fires, let's go back to verse 7 in First Peter, these trials show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. What does it say? It says these trials will show that your faith is genuine. This is what the purifier does. I'm just going to wrap it up right here. The goldsmith, he finds this piece of dirty, disgusting, covered in mud, covered in dirt, covered in silt, 
you know, this lump that's sparkly, I can see there's some good, there's some good in there. There's something I can use in there. I can see my reflection in the specs, right? He can see his reflection in the original design of, of made in his image. But we got marred and, and messed up with all this world and junk and giving our lives to Satan. So God comes and he finds it. And he's like, I'm going to. And I was just talking to someone, you know, God's carrying this piece of gold. This is so funny. And then you just feel like, wow, he found me. Came and found me. This is amazing. He's carrying you. You're so precious to him. Puts you in his pocket. Man. Walking with God. This is amazing. Walking with God. God literally came and found me. In the miry clay, he came and found me. I'm just walking with him now. Gets back to the cabin. Man, this is the goldsmith. You know, he's got you. And wow, he puts you on the table and just looks at you. You're looking at him. Wow. God, behold the Lord. The Lord's like, I love you. And then he turns around. And you're like, what's he doing? Getting smoky in here comes over and grabs you, puts you into the pot, starts getting hot. Whoa, 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 what is going on in here? Wait a second. All of a sudden, things start getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Wait a second, you told me you loved me. You said you cared for me. What's going on? You, we were walking together. I remember the whole, the whole walk back. I was just like right on your side, hip to hip. What are you doing to me? And this is what the Bible says. <laughs> the Bible says, Our faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. If the gold refiner is willing to go through that process, you know what happens? You know what happens when gold is stubborn? You know what the refiner does? You know, that guy, Gold Rush, when he just found that gold, he ain't giving up too easy. If he sees that there's gold in that lump of junk, and there's iron ore in there, you know, you have to, gold melts really fast. Purity comes out instantly. You know what's stubborn is that the hard iron, the ore in you. You got to get it up a lot hotter. He's not trying to get the gold to be pure yet it's trying to get you separated the only way you're going to get pure is to get the junk out of you the only way to get the junk out of the gold is to go a lot hotter than the gold needs to go the gold's instant yes lord i love you i worship you that's instant then all of a sudden you're in the fire and you're like i don't know what you're doing but something's wrong what do you mean i need to be humble I am humble. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, it's only funny because you know we've all done that. Don't tell me to calm down with a loud voice. As if like you're calm trying to say it. I am calm. Well, I'm telling you to calm down because you don't sound too calm. Though your faith is far more precious than gold, if he's willing to do that, it says, so your faith remains strong through many trials. It will bring you, everybody say me. You know what? You want to think about you? You want to do the me game? That's fine. Do it through his word. 
God thinks about me, and I'm allowed to think about me in his way. If I want to be selfish and think about me, well, he says, you will get much praise and glory and honor. You, everybody in this room, you're going to get praise. That's reserved for God. It's reserved for the Lord. But you will get it, praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. If you will, Peter says, if you will suffer with Christ, you'll get to share in the glory with Christ. It's part of the Christian walk. It's been the most untalked about part of the Christian walk and the most confusing part. People are so confused. When they were sold this gospel message at a pulpit or on the street, then all of a sudden, the hell itself comes flying out of hell and says, whoa, we're losing a good soldier. And you're like, whoa, what happened? You know what happens? I started telling you, I didn't finish. When gold is stubborn, he heats it up hotter. God, I was telling someone the other day, you know, God doesn't need to start the fires or heat the fires. You know how that fire gets heated? That does it all on its own. He just allows the fire. The gold, now the actual refiner does it, but God's, does, God doesn't, God's got his hands behind his back during this part. In the natural, the refiner's doing that. God doesn't need to do that part. Satan's going to do that for him. Satan is trying to get you to curse God. God's convinced, though, when he looks at his Job in here in this room, that I see, I see the one in here. I see the ones that will not quit. They won't back down. I see myself in them, and they're going to make it through. They're going to get let that junk come off of them. They're going to let me get it out of them, and I'm confident, Satan, that they're going to. So you go ahead and heat up the fire because all it's going to do is push more of Christ out. You know what happens? You put it hot. He takes something called flux, throws it into the gold, and all the impurities float to the surface. Now, the refiner comes and he says, takes it out with his scoop and throws away the junk. He doesn't need that in there. That's taking value away from his gold. If you let God, when God comes to you, and you, we've all been there, the Holy Spirit comes and says, let me have that area. I mean, you just, I mean, I, you've got a mental picture of the Holy Spirit touching your chest right now because you've all felt it. Just, shh, shh, don't respond. I love you. I forgive you. Ah. Oh. And then the refiner goes like this, it's done, it's gone. You cleave to it, oh, this gold is so stubborn, fine, heat it up more, get it hotter, because I'm not giving up on this gold, that's how much I love it, that's how precious this, this is to me. We think God's doing something sadistic, it's for our good and actually protecting us, because what's going to happen is, is you are of no value with all that in you, because he didn't put that in you. Satan and this world and our sin nature put that in you. You know gold, the Bible says in heaven that gold is purified till it's transparent, which is, I mean, the symbolism there is incredible. It literally reflects the glory of God. It's crystal clear. That means that God is not done purifying you until he can see through you and see himself inside you. 
He breathes his spirit into you. That's Christ in me. He loves me, but doesn't really want to see this face. He wants to see my spirit, the spirit man that's already purified. That's already done. Just time, we're walking at time here. So this flesh, this earth, you know, like Paul calls it, this thing I'm dragging around, right? This thing, oh, my flesh, it's so heavy and so irritating. I'm putting my own words to his. But God's looking for himself in us. Let him do it. The closer you get to the Lord, the more he's going to let Initially, it's big stuff. Like, you just stop swearing. You're like, I don't swear anymore. I'm not getting drunk anymore. And you feel so good. Because it's like, that's like the dirt. You know, like, that's easy coming out. But now he's after the, you ever see, anybody ever had a piece of gold or silver? I have some, and it says on it, 0.99999%. God's not even after that. God wants 100%. But considered pure, considered 100% pure is 0.999, because there's still technically minor impurities in there. If you have stopped being, this is, ready? I'm just going to be blatantly, I'm just going to be so blunt right now. If God is not purifying you right now, one of two things have happened. You've either walked away and you're not a Christian, or you've died and you just don't know it yet. One of those two things. (laughs) God is going to keep purifying and we want him to do it. You just want him to do it. A kind word turns away wrath. Initially, you men, you cannot do that. And then, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just keep saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're not even in the fires of hell like some of the other nations and where we could be heading to here, where the persecution, the fire is a lot, a lot more blatant on the outside right now it's an internal thing but if you can get this figured out then when paul who had already dealt with the internal was put into the external that's why he had joy because he had already found it in here you can't touch me we just thank you lord jesus for your word i thank you god for your grace and your mercy i pray you just anoint your word planted down deep inside of us god put it into that soil so that it grows and becomes life for us in jesus name amen thank you lord